Well, wonderful. You may be seated with a very good morning. Welcome to Northwest Hills. Welcome to summer 2018 and a teaching series we're calling The Classics as we take an amazing journey, a very quick journey through the book of Psalms. Of course, you could spend two years, you could spend five years in the Psalms. We're going to spend five weeks, but just know this, we'll be back to visit this old and faithful friend many, many times in the months and years ahead. Before we delve into Psalm 23, that's where we're going to find our place this morning. I was really agonizing on where to start. Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not, right, in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. What a wonderful psalm. How about Psalm 19? The heavens declare the glory of God. The earth showeth forth his handiwork day unto day. You guys know it. And then yet Psalm 23. All of these wonderful psalms are clamoring for our attention. Uh, and they're wonderful. And Psalm 23 is where we'll find our place today. And then next Sunday, Psalm 51, how to handle sin in your life. How many of you here commit sins? Let me see your hand. Um, how many want to join me? Uh, yes, and amen. I'm with you. And when we make those poor choices, when we sin against God, um, there is a, a path to forgiveness and restoration. Uh, and Psalm 51 shows us that sense of path forward. And it's a beautiful psalm from the heart of David from a very difficult, difficult time in his life. So some great uh, seasons and times and days ahead this summer and in the Psalms. Uh, hold your spot in Psalm 23. A couple of very personal reflections from my heart to you today. First of all, I want to say a huge thank you to all who came out this past Monday night and worked so hard here at the church on our first 50 for 50 work night. And we're still very much just in the phase of tearing out old carpet. We've had ripped carpet. We've had duct-taped carpet. We've had lights that were faded and stained and yellowed. And we're in a zone and a phase right now of just trying to get all of that out so that we can come back with some very much refreshed fixtures and some refreshed paint that will make for, in particularly our children's area, some old metal doors are going to be giving way to some beautiful glass doors so that as parents walk up, they can look in, they can see. It's bright, it's clean, it's safe, and it's welcoming. For those who are here, for you, our church family, and for those who are yet to come, uh, never lose sight of that. I feel like as your lead pastor, that's one of my number one responsibilities is to help us never lose sight of those who are yet to come and that we would prepare the house for those that are coming, that they would feel welcome, they would feel safe, and they would have a warm and inviting and uh, aesthetically pleasing place to learn about the greatness of our God. There is also this other motive that this is God's house, and we want it to be a good reflection of his character, his beauty, and his majesty. And we've got a little bit of work to do. Well, that's okay. We're going to do the work. Amen, church? And uh, that started last Monday night with over 30 people that were here really working very hard. From 2 to 72, young and old, uh, men and women. I was not here, uh, but Pastor Jeremy uh, and Derek, our facility director, led the charge, and they did a phenomenal job, and they achieved a tremendous body of work. And I would just like to put our hands together and thank all of those who made a good run at our first night out. Now, 
Let me offer uh, some leadership in these heart reflections to you. Uh, you cannot make it, probably not make it to every work night. I will not be at every work night. You may not be at every work night. You might have to come and only stay for part of a work night, and then you have other responsibilities that you need to go. Here's the culture we want at Northwest Hills. I've been at church work events where I had to go, but I felt like when everybody looked away, I had to try to sneak off because I didn't want to get judged because I was leaving early, right? And yet you had something you had to go to. That's not our culture here. Uh, You can't do everything. Nobody can. But come when you're able. Find one or two that you can hit. If you can stay for a portion and have to go, that's okay. That's fine. Do what you can do as we all work a little, as we all make a, a, a bit of an impact. All of that working together will make a great impact. And we'll move the needle forward. We'll move our objectives forward in a significant, significant way. So feel an environment of grace and freedom to come and do what you're able to do as your schedule this summer permits. And as we all do that, we can achieve the goals and objectives that lie before us. And let me just say this. We are off to a great, great start. And uh, I think this will not only be something really special for us, but it will be an extremely important as we look to reach out to our community with the great name of our Lord. You're going to get a letter from me that details some of this. Maybe some of you already have. If you have not received that yet, you'll get that early in the week that talks about this. It also talks about another more difficult thing, a very difficult decision that I made recently with our elders' uh, full support, and that was to release... Pastor Tom Ramsey from our staff team uh, after many years of faithful service, and we're very grateful for that faithful service. But as your lead pastor and as our elders, we felt it was time to make a change in overall culture and a change in the trajectory of our student ministries. And we made that change as graciously and as generously as we knew how, but nonetheless an important and timely change for us. And when we make those type of leadership changes and have those type of leadership moments, I want to just come and talk to you about that from my heart. And so you know the spirit and the tone. There'll be more information you'll get in a letter from me that'll give you more details, but I just wanted to share with you briefly about that and encourage you to be watching for that letter, to read it, uh, be careful to notice the tone, the details, and the particulars. Also for our parents of middle schoolers, and high schoolers. I would love to meet with you right after this service next week for about a half hour, and we can talk a little bit more about some of those changes and some of that new culture and that future trajectory as we lead forward in that very important area of our church in the days ahead. And we can talk about that after this service next Sunday. As we go forward, whether it's on our facilities, whether it's in staffing, whether it's in service dynamics, as our church grows, there will be changes. That is an inevitable part of life. As our family grew, I think back to when our family was young, we changed houses a few times early on because we needed more bedrooms and more bathrooms, and and our growth precipitated changes of breadth and depth, and the same will be for us as a church. We just want to do those changes and those transitions in a way that honor the Lord and that are timely and that are appropriate. And so we have to, in a sense, get used to those changing dynamics. A veteran pastor told me once, the only person who likes change is a baby with a wet diaper. 
And that is true, isn't it? Uh, And the older we get, uh, change is even harder for us, but nonetheless important. And as we improve our facilities and as we improve our staff team, as we sometimes get a little smaller or get a little larger and we work through dynamics as our church changes and grows, how exciting it will be to see what God does. For example, we have grown to a point in our adult attendance now that we don't have the luxury of going back to one service in the summer. And I'll be honest, I can be very transparent. I was bummed about that. I enjoyed last Sunday, last summer, our one Sunday uh, services, our one service Sundays. I thought they were fun. It's just super exciting to get all the church family under one roof and to be all together. And I don't know, it just, it felt so good to me as a brand new pastor last summer to be able to enjoy that. And I was kind of looking forward to enjoying that with you again, but our adult attendance has grown to a point that there's no way we can do that and have any room for any new folks that would come in. And that's just not right. Amen, church? We've got to make room, not only for you, but again, the people that are yet to come in and experience the love and the health of this body. And so we'll be in two services throughout the summer. Just a change that comes as a result of our growth and our walk with the Lord. So those will come along the way. And my heart is to do a good job keeping you up to date on those, to talk to you about those from my heart so we can go forward together in great unity and in great honor as we seek our great God. Just leadership moments. And in those moments, it's imperative that we lead well. Finally, from my heart, I get a call last night. Uh, We've been like you, working around our house a lot here. And we're getting ready for a big wedding of our eldest son. And that's kind of exciting and friends and family coming into town. And and we've been a little busy and I had lost track of our Oregon State Beaver baseball team. And I get a call from our daughter who is on a big medical internship right now in Arkansas. She's in the world of the Razorbacks. And my son and daughter both have gone to college there at Central Baptist College in Conway, Arkansas. And my son said, Dad, it was the weirdest experience the first Saturday. I was working at the Home Depot, and right before the Arkansas Razorback football game starts, they stop everything in the store, and they call the hog. And he said, the whole store goes, sue Whoa, pig. And he said, everybody in the store is doing this. And he says, I'm standing there looking around thinking, what in the world have I got myself into amongst these Southerners, these okra eaters, these gravy drinkers, right, in the South? And what is going on? They're calling the hog uh, at every opportunity they have in Arkansas. And so our daughter says, Dad, Mom, Mom, Dad, I need an Oregon State beaver t-shirt immediately. So Jamie and I ran up to our living room. We got on what? Amazon Prime. And I said, hun, you figure out which one would look the best. Jamie found a great one. She's going to get it at her door in Arkansas on Tuesday. And she says, I'm going to wear it every day next week and cheer on the beavers, right? Yes. And going to put a finger in those Razorbacks eyes as they go at us in baseball. What a fun (laughs) time of the year. And and her call for a t-shirt brought me up to date on all that had happened uh, on the baseball diamond in Great Beaver Baseball yesterday. So it is a good time, as Pastor Josh said so eloquently, and a wonderful time to be together in the summer. And not to concede the summer, but to engage the summer 
and see what God wants to do in and through our church. And it's an honor for me to be your pastor. And uh, I pray to lead you well as we follow our shepherd. And that's exactly the heart of Psalm 23. It's an invitation. Psalm 23 kind of gets relegated in a way, if you have your Bibles, uh, to just funerals. And and I would say that Psalm 23 uh, actually fits very well at a funeral. In fact, you come to that Psalm 23 verse 4, and how that has meant so much to so many over the years. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art... I think here's the words. Here's the words that a spouse hangs on. Here's the words that parents hang on. For thou art with me. When I sit here, and I'm telling you, that's the hardest thing for me about doing a funeral. And I've done probably... I've done hundreds of them by this point in my ministry. To stand up here or to be here in a sanctuary somewhere and to see that family sitting there and to see what they're going through is the hardest thing. To see the eyes of a child who's lost a, maybe a parent or the eyes of a spouse who's lost uh, their absolute sweetheart maybe for 30, 40, 50 plus years and seeing them navigate that moment and we, we cling and we run to these type psalms to say to them, you're not alone, he is with you. For thou art with me. You're not alone in this very scary moment. But the Psalm uh, 23 is not just for the funeral. It's a psalm for life. It's a psalm for every day because I'm convinced that there are a lot of different types of valleys that we face in our life, not only the death of a loved one, but how about a loved one who is caught up in the snare of addiction? I'm going to tell you, that's not only a valley for that person, but if that person has a dad or a mom that's still alive, if they have brothers that love them, sisters that love and care about them, when they walk through that type of a valley, can I tell you what? Their loved ones walk through that valley as well. A dear couple that sat right back there in the first service wept through this entire message because here's what I know by virtue of their prayer card. They're walking through that valley and it is crushing them right now to see the choices that their adult child is making. Nobody has passed away yet, but my goodness, they've come right up to the edge of looking at that possibility because of the absolute tangles of addiction that that adult child is in. What a heartbreak it was to Jamie and I yesterday to open up the Facebook we share and to see one of our former neighbors in Flagstaff, Arizona. We ended up in that house because of a change. We rented our first house, and and it wasn't the best fit for us. We had to quickly move all of our stuff to a different house. And we found this house, and it was wonderful, and we met the sweetest couple that were neighbors. Come to find out, they're followers of Christ as well. They go to a wonderful sister church in Flag. He was an elder at that church, just loved the Lord, first-class people. He's an engineer. God always puts me around engineers and engineers around me. And we just have a great time trying to figure each other out. And uh, he was an engineer, and he and I became friends, and we shared tools and stories. And and, uh, their one daughter just soaring, just a leader at Hume Lake, uh, just soaring on into University of Arizona and just soaring their son, uh, struggling. And you could just see it quickly, just struggling. And we've watched that over these many years. And to open up our Facebook yesterday and to see in his early 20s, died overnight, Friday night into Saturday, as his dear mom, with heartbroken words, you could read it on that post, 
after suffering with many years of mental illness and a resulting severe addiction, our son passed away last night. 21, 22. I'm telling you, they're in a valley today. The valley of addiction. The valley of a health problem. You've been trying to get this health problem resolved. Had an individual tell me recently, I'm tired of being poked and prodded, Pastor Mike. This health issue I'm dealing with that's just lingered on. I think that's one of the greatest challenges with health issues. When they linger on without resolution and it becomes an absolute valley for you. A job situation. We've got one of our dear friends here at Northwest Hills who put his head on my shoulder and cried like a baby before the service and said, Pastor Mike, I don't know if I can do another week at my job. I'm in misery. Some of us have job situations that are a joy. They're just a blessing. You're soaring at your job. It's a mountaintop moment for you. You know, that's such a wonderful thing. Can I just tell you this? Your divine shepherd, God is with you in those mountaintops, but he's also absolutely with you in your deepest and darkest valleys as well. And you might be in an occupational valley. You might be in a health valley. You might be in a relational valley. You might be in a valley of an addiction or a valley of a challenge or an issue that I have not even come close to mentioning. And here is the truth of Psalm 23. Whatever you're going through in your life right now, a hurt, a habit, a hang-up, a brokenness, a challenge, or an issue, whether it's a moment in your life that is a mountaintop or a moment that is a valley, I've got some amazing news for you. Your divine shepherd invites you to walk with him through those moments of your life. Whether they're the highest highs or the lowest lows. Can I just say this? We all have those various moments in our life, don't we? How many of you have ever had just some mountaintop moments in your life? Just some of those days that, here's the way we like to say it in the Irwin family, it was just a perfect day. And you've had a few of those. Let me see your hand. You, you can just reflect back on just a few of those perfect days. I mean, the kids were so well behaved. They didn't argue and bicker with each other in the car. They didn't fuss and fight. They just rode along. There was even gentle conversation amongst the family. It just was cool. And we got to the place where we were going to picnic, and there was nobody there. And the prime parking spot was open. And we put out our picnic lunch, and it was like, we don't know what happened. If somebody had fogged the area like the day before, there was no mosquitoes, there were no ants, there was no gnats, there were no flies. I mean, it was just, and there was a gentle breeze as the sun shone down upon our faces. And we ate, we had a ball, the kids went off and played, had a ball. We spent a few hours, we had a great time. We got back in the car and everybody just rode quietly and had, again, peaceful conversation back to the house. Everybody got out of the car, did their part in unpacking, unloading, putting away. Now I'm getting crazy, aren't I? I just went too far, didn't I? Just, Kevin says, just a little too far, Pastor Mike. We're still working on Levi, but he's going to help one of these days. I know he is one of these days. I'm kidding. He can take it. Don't awe him. Don't baby that boy. He's got lots of potential, and he's soaring. He's just an A-plus guy. But it's one of those just awesome days. You've had them. We've had them. How many of you have had the other? Oh, yeah. Yes. How many had it yesterday? No, no, not quite that. Yes. People fussing. You got to where you wanted to go. It was full of 100 people. No parking. You got out your lunch. Ants attacked it. There were gnats. There were bees. In fact, the bees ran you. You ate in the car with the windows up. 
Everybody fussed and fumed on the way back. Air conditioner broke. A mess. Yeah. You know what that's called? Life. And our lives have mountaintop moments and they have valley moments. And here's the heart of Psalm 23. Here's what the shepherd says. If you're my son or my daughter, if you're my kid, I'm your divine shepherd and I am inviting you to trust me and I'm inviting you to let you, if you'll choose to, trust me enough to follow me, your shepherd, through the mountaintop moments of your life and the valley moments of your life. And I am there for you and with you whether everything is going awesome or whether it's going disastrously. I will never leave you or forsake you. In fact, the apostle Peter says, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. He's the one that sticks closer than a brother. When the going gets rough, he will not leave you there. When you're on the mountaintop, he's there to celebrate the mountaintops with you. When you're in the deepest, darkest valley, your divine shepherd will walk with you and lead you through. As Elizabeth Elliot said in one of her wonderful books, you literally can live your life, if you choose, in the shadow of the Almighty. He will lead you through the highest moments and the worst moments if you will follow him. And the shepherd is inviting here. He's inviting that level of relationship between your heart and his heart. And what I love about this passage, what really strikes me about this passage I read this week in a wonderful little commentary. If you're looking for a great commentary on at least the first 72 Psalms, this uh, Tyndale commentary by Derek Kidner is a great one. And it's just, you can see, it's not overwhelming. But I love what he said about Psalm 23. Let me read it to you. He says, The Lord, as often in the Psalms, occupies here the first and emphatic place. So in other words, you start with the Lord is. The Lord, as often in the Psalms, occupies here the first and emphatic place, and the my reveals a pledge of relationship which dares to link to the Lord is. With the incongruous, I shall. The Lord is, I shall. That's the key of the whole Psalm. The Lord is, I shall. You know what this is all about? A thousand years before Ephesians 1 and 2, a book that we went through together, I think it's been one of the great themes of our first year together. It's all about what? Our identity in Christ. I hope you've got that in this first year. This is all about identity in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. I'll never forget, it was probably a decade ago when this just came crystal clear in my mind. It's not about what I do for the Lord. It's about being with the Lord. I don't even do anything for Him. Everything I do, I do with Him. It's about relationship. It's about identity. The truth is, church, he doesn't need me to do this message today. He's God. If he wanted to do this message today from this box right here, he could do it. But he so blesses us that he not only desires to be in relationship with us, but he desires to use us in his service as a part of his army to help advance his kingdom principles and priorities in this day. What a joy. And David is starting to dial us in 
Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before identity really comes crystal clear, HD clear to us, he starts dialing us in. The Lord is, I shall. The Lord is, I shall. The Lord is, I shall. Everything we do has its roots in who we are in Christ. And what Christ has done in us and has done through us in giving us that now right standing with our divine shepherd, the almighty God. The Lord is often in the Psalms occupies here the first and emphatic place. Everything in the Psalms flows from that. The Lord is, I shall. Listen to this church. In the word shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. We love the personal nature there. David uses the most comprehensive and intimate metaphor yet encountered in the Psalms. Because up to this point, we've seen the Lord presented as what? Well, for example, we've seen him as deliverer, king, rock, shield, high tower, and everything changes with Psalm 23. For we leave all of those sort of distant metaphors and we come to the most personal shepherd, the shepherd who lives with his flock and is everything to it, guide, physician, and protector. And that is exactly the picture that God provides for us in Psalm 23 when he says, let me lead you through all of the mountaintops and the valleys and all the days in between. Follow me, the invitation is your divine shepherd, and I'm going to come right down into your world, and I'm going to do life with you, and I'm going to guide you, I'm going to protect you, I will be your physician, I will show you the way through all of the difficulties that you will inevitably face and through all of the challenges that can be breathtaking, and through all of the highest moments and the lowest moments, I'll be there with you to lead you down the path, to lead you through all that I want to do in and through your life. The Lord is, I shall. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I will not be in want. Man, it takes us right back over again to the book of 2 Peter. Love that verse, 2 Peter 1.3. He's given unto us everything that we need to live a good and godly life. When we follow him, we will not want. Matthew 5 and 6, he'll meet all of our needs. When we seek first his righteousness, all these other things that those outside of the household of faith absolutely obsess over, what to eat, what to wear, what to sleep, where to sleep, what to drink. We don't have to worry about those as the follower of Christ. No, he'll do what? He'll meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory. We shall not want. Pastor Mike, if I choose to trust the shepherd and follow him, Pastor Mike, if I set my heart to follow the divine shepherd, if I walk through this week, under the shadow of the Almighty, where is he going to lead me? What would be the results or the ramifications of that? That's what we have throughout the rest of this psalm. And there are 10 results or ramifications. And because we're going to wrap up our service today with the partaking of the elements of the Lord's table, I'm only going to be able to cover four today. So you'll have to come back and get the next six next Sunday. And we'll have a good time looking at it. Look at the first four. Very simple, easy to remember. They all start with the letter R. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I'm walking through a deep, dark valley. 
It's draining. It's straining. It's stressful. It's heavy. It's potentially burdensome. I'm on the mountaintop. I'm just tired from celebrating all the good things God has done because he's blessed me. It's just a wonderful time in my life. Trajectory, Either way, you know what the shepherd will do for you? Whether you're in the great moments or the most difficult moments of life. You know what he says? I'm going to provide for you if you follow me. I will give you, it's a wonderful little four-letter word. I will give you rest. I'm going to make you to lie down and rest. And I'm looking across this sanctuary, and the vast majority of people under the sound of my voice today knows the benefit of a good night's rest of what that does to your soul, of what that does to your heart, of what that does to your body. And I'm looking across the sanctuary and I also see the faces of people who also know the challenge when you've not had a good night's rest and what that means to your mind, to your heart, to your body, to your soul. And when we follow the divine shepherd, he gives us the grace and the strength and the protection and the love and the ability to push all of that stuff out that could overtake us and overtake our night's sleep and allow us to lie down and to rest peacefully in him. Do you remember Jesus on the boat in the Sea of Galilee? And a storm blows up, which is not uncommon on that sea. And the boat's tossed to and fro. And everybody's running around on the deck of the ship freaking out. And they're taking ropes from this side to that side. And they're getting sails up and sails down. And they're stressed. And finally somebody says, well, where is the Lord? And a disciple answers what, church? He is what in the bottom of the boat? He's asleep. When you follow your divine shepherd, you're following the one who has the ability to give you rest even in the midst of the storm. You will know the joy of rest. Can I tell you, rest is very biblical. Being well-rested is very biblical. In fact, I had a professor once that told me, you're as only as spiritual as you are rested. Interesting thought, isn't it? Rest is a very important theme in the Scriptures, and it's the shepherd that can give you rest on the mountaintop or rest in the deep, dark valley. Look at the second ramification of following our shepherd. If you take the opportunity... He leads me besides the still waters. Here's the word renewal. We walk beside the still waters. And he what? He renews us. He blesses us. He, he, he refreshes us besides those still waters. Man, I follow the divine shepherd across the mountaintops and I'm rested and I'm renewed or refreshed. Man, I follow the divine shepherd and I walk through a deep, dark valley. Guess what he does, even in those deep, dark valleys? He's the one that can do this. Don't forget, he was the one that slept through the storm. He says, not only can I give you rest and show you the way of rest, but I can renew you and refresh you, mind, body, and soul. Look at the third one. We've got a hustle. He restores my soul. Rest, refreshment, restoration. He'll restore you. He'll restore you. So important. That's why we enjoy these classic cars. They are what? Fully restored. How many of you have friends, or maybe you have one in your garage that is partly restored? A lot of those out there. I have so many friends. I can just think of their garages right now. And what's that underneath that tarp? Oh. 
And usually wife will say, and it's been in there for six years. We could really use that storage space, Pastor Mike. Could you say something to him, please? Right? Or sometimes it's she that's restoring it. I know of those instances. And he says, it's been under there six years. We're making very slow progress. It's like a herd of turtles and getting this restored, not going quickly. Restored, fully restored. The other day I was on Walnut. What comes up besides me? 1968 Camaro, candy apple red, beautiful. That black stripe right down the hood. Are you joking me? And he caught me looking at it. I'm not too proud to tell you, I was staring. You know what he did? Now you're taunting me. So I just got on the old Nissan. Right? Pushed it off to the side of the road in front of Winco. Jamie, I need you to come get me. Man, look at it. Fully restored. Some of these guys restored these cars to the point, literally, and you see them at car shows. You like there's a Denny's and all these classic cars wrapping around it. You pull in, they got the hood up. They got like every bolt. They'll tell you about every bolt, every nut, everything fully restored. You look into that and you go, oh my word. That's the idea of this word in the Hebrew. Fully restored. That's what the divine shepherd will do for you. He'll restore you. He'll renew you. He will rest you so that whatever you're dealing with in life, you will be for sure of this under the shadow of the Almighty. He's never for a moment left you or forsaken you. And he is there to rejoice with you in the greatest mountaintops, and he's there to nurture and love and to assist you in the greatest and deepest, darkest moments of your life. And can I just tell you something, church? We all have both. You're going to have both in your marriage. You're going to have both in your parenting. You're going to have both at times in your occupation. You're going to have both at times in your neighborhood and in your own health. And you're going to have some amazingly wonderful moments in your health. You're going to have some very dark, deep moments in your health and amongst those that you love. He is with you. He rests us. He renews us. He restores us. This is our last one, and we're going to prepare for communion. He leads us down the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He leads us on the path of righteousness. He says, son or daughter, come follow me through the highs and lows of life. Walk with me. I'm your divine shepherd. Here's the invitation. This is not a psalm for death. This is a psalm for life. Let me walk with you every day and let me help you with what you need because life can take an amazing toll upon your soul, upon your heart, and upon your body. Let me give you rest and renewal, and restoration. And let me lead you down the path of righteousness. You know our working definition for the word righteous. It's simply this. It's by the grace and help of God, you choose to do the next right thing. How many of you here always choose to do the, always choose to do the next right thing? Always choose to do the next right thing. Let me see your hand. Me either. But that's the work he's always working in us, Right? that he would lead us and we would follow him. And by his grace and strength and the wisdom he gives us from his word, we would make the choices to do the next right thing. When somebody is loud and mean and cutting and hurtful to you, 
and in your pocket, you're balling up your fists and everything within you wants to punch them right in the nose, you know that he says the next right thing is that a soft answer turns away wrath. Right? That's right. That when you hear some juicy word about somebody, and you want to tell it to somebody else, you know that the word of God says what? If that person's not a part of the problem or part of the solution, you don't pass that word to that person. That's what's called what, church? Gossip, right. But instead, whatever that person's going through that you found out about, you're going to just pray for them, and you're going to go zip. And every time you're tempted to talk about it, other than someone who's a part of the problem or part of the solution, you just instead pray about it, and you go down the right path. He leads us down the right path, the righteous path, righteous living. None of us do that all of the time, but he wants to grow that capacity for righteousness within us. And our life takes on more and more of the image of Christ, and our choices reflect his work in our heart. It's exactly, parents, what you want to see in your children, that they come to know the Lord and learn to be like him that they make righteous choices. Your ultimate responsibility as a parent is not to shepherd their, their behaviors. We're way too surface at that point. Our ultimate responsibility as parents is to shepherd their what? Their heart. And if that gets right, the behaviors will follow almost by themselves. You'll spend your lifetime to the point you will have an ounce of energy left just trying to manage behaviors. And if a heart is changed those behaviors will almost self-correct from the inside out. The shepherd always works at the heart level. In fact, he said those who are without the household of faith, mankind in general, they're obsessed with the what? With the outward. But God always looks where? At the heart. That's right. And the shepherd ultimately shepherds our heart. And he brings us from the inside out to rest and to renewal to restoration, and to righteousness. And there are six more dynamic impacts that we will see next week as we pause to follow, as we choose to trust and follow our divine shepherd through the highs and lows of this thing called life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are our, you A-R-E-O-U-R, shepherd. And we thank you for it. And Lord, as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's table, we hold the bread, we hold the cup, and we celebrate, oh my word. Not only, Jesus, have you in your death, burial, and resurrection saved me, And given me a promised home in heaven, but now you give me the possibility of having a shepherd through all of life. I don't have to walk alone. Through the highs and low moments, I'm I'm never alone. You are with me. And Father, you are with us as we sit now and we hold this bread and we drink this cup. You are with us. And we thank you. And may we reflect back and look within our own hearts and look to you to celebrate and to thank you for all that you've done, Jesus, in your death, bell, and resurrection, for what you did on the cross and what you did in leaving that tomb empty. Give us the possibility. You've provided the possibility of even having a shepherd to follow. We're not wandering alone. 
you, Jesus. We worship you through these communion, sacred, symbolic elements. We praise you through these elements. And we love you. And it's in Jesus' matchless name we pray. And all God's people said, I want to take a moment and say a huge thank you to those who are serving communion today. Thank you for preparing it. Thank you for serving it. We love you. We bless you. Take a bread, take a cup, hold it. I'll be back. We'll read scriptures together and partake of the elements in just a few moments.